Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, a.k.a. Triumvir Clio. Hello again. Welcome back. Do you have plans for Halloween? My daughter decided she wants to be a Dalmatian this year. Made that decision with plenty of time to make her costume. Of course, she waited until there was much less time to make costumes to announce that she thinks all of her grown-ups should be Dalmatians, too. (laughs) Still not sure what Halloween will look like this year, though, so I hope whatever you have planned keeps you safe and healthy. And if you're eligible, make sure you're registered to vote, make a plan, and then do it. Uh, Today is another Odyssey episode. We're up to book seven. Um, I feel like the Odyssey is going fast. I know that we aren't halfway through yet, but I'm having a hard time believing that we're already a quarter of the way through it. Anyway, when we last left Odysseus, he was in the grove outside the Phaeacian walls, giving Nausicaa enough time to get home. At the beginning of book seven, he decides that he's waited long enough and starts walking to the city. But to protect him from any bad luck, Athena shrouds him in a sea fog, and then she takes the form of a little girl. You'll recall that Nausicaa told him that even a small child would be able to direct him to the palace. And the first child that Odysseus meets is Athena in disguise. He asks for help, and she says that of course she knows where to go. But she warns him that the people here don't like strangers, so he shouldn't talk to anyone until he gets to the palace. Of course, none of them can see him anyway, since Athena has hidden him in this fog, but just in case someone breaks through. She leads him to the palace and tells him to go and find Arete, the queen. Athena then gives a bit more of the Phaeacians' backstory. Paraboya was the daughter of Eurymedon, one of the Gigantes, way back when. And she and Poseidon had a fling that resulted in a baby named Nausithous. He became king of Phaeacia and had two sons of his own, Rexenor and Alkinoas. Rexenor had only a daughter, Arete, and then he died. When Arete grew up, Alkinoas married her. So if you've been drawing that family tree, yes, Arete is Alkinoas's niece. But no one seems to think much of that. The people love Arete. She is the best as far as they're concerned. So if Arete is cool with someone, everyone else will be too. And that's why Odysseus should go to her and not Elkinoas. With that, Athena leaves Odysseus and goes back to her temple in Athens. Mia might have seen pictures of that before. And if not, I posted a really nice photo of it over on the blog, triumvirclio.school.blog. You are all in the show notes in case you don't have it bookmarked yet. But I digress. Athena leaves Odysseus, and he gets his first really good look at the palace. It is gaudy. Have you ever seen the unsinkable Molly Brown? Um, If you have, do you remember what her mansion looks like? Yeah, it's like that. <laughs> that's, that was, that's what I imagine when, when I read this part. Everything is covered in silver and gold and lapis lazuli, which I realize is blue and not red, but still. Um. If you thought Menelaus's palace was elaborate, well, <laughs> that's nothing compared to the palace in Phaeacia. The guard dogs are even silver and gold. They were made by Hephaestus. And then there's the garden. Wherever this island is, it is in a perfect climate. The fruit trees bear fruit year-round. The vegetables never stop growing. It is perfect. It is an absolute utopia. Odysseus does as he was told and goes directly to Arete. He asks her for mercy and passage home, and then he goes and sits by the fire in the ashes to show how humble he is. You can call him Cinder Odysseus. 
Everyone just stares. Finally, the oldest of the Phaeacians, a man named Akinos, uh, or sorry, Akinos, tells Alkinoos that this is not how guests should be treated. At that prompting, Alkinoos immediately leads Odysseus from his seat in the ashes to the chair next to his throne, which also involves kicking his son out of that chair. Odysseus eats and drinks, and they all make a libation to Zeus. Alkinoos then dismisses everyone, because it's getting late, but he also calls for a new feast tomorrow. After all, they have a guest, and you never know who a guest might be. They might be gods. Sure, the gods never used to come in disguise. I mean, the Phaeacians are their relatives and all, but with being descended from the Gigantes. Um, but, you know, the gods tend to come disguised these days, so it's always better to be safe than sorry when treating a guest. Odysseus laughs and says that he's honored by the comparison, but he's a mere mortal, suffering as only mortals can. All that he asks is a ship that he can take home to Ithaca. Everyone shouts that they agree to this request. Give him a ship. They finish their drinks and go home. Odysseus, of course, stays at the palace talking to the king and queen. Aridi, being no fool, looks at him and asks where he got his clothes. Odysseus provides more detail this time, recapping everything that happens in books five and six. Um, But he tells one little white lie. He says that it was his idea to come separately to the palace, that Nausicaa had told him to walk along with her maids, that he was concerned that people would look askance at that behavior. When, of course, that was all Nausicaa. She was the one who said, oh, wait, now then again, maybe you shouldn't come with me because don't we don't want people to talk. Um, but this way, now her parents, Nausicaa's parents can't be mad at her because she didn't treat a guest properly in their eyes. Alkinoos responds that his guest is clearly a good man. And uh, you know what? Maybe instead of going back to his home, he should just stay in Phaeacia and marry Nausicaa. Odysseus hasn't even told them his name yet, um, but Alkinoos is already prepared to marry his daughter off to the stranger. But despite this thought, Alkinoos still agrees to prepare a ship so that Odysseus can return to Ithaca in the morning. Um, so he toys with the concept of, of an engagement. He's just, he's just, shooting the breeze he doesn't really mean it um a bed is prepared and Odysseus happily goes to sleep someplace comfortable and that is the end of book seven I noted in the last Odyssey episode that Phaeacia is different I noted that it's odd that Nausicaa tells Odysseus to go to her mother and not her father. And we see Aridi's status here in Book 7. She is revered by the Phaeacians. She's compared to a goddess. That's cool, nothing wrong with that. Unless, of course, you're an Athenian who doesn't think women should ever have a status that raises them higher than men. Aridi is shown as an equal to Elkinoas. And that just doesn't fit in a proper patriarchal structure. Phaeacia is shown as a utopia, except for this one little problem, at least if you're a good Greek man. Um, And the utopian aspects of Phaeacia just continue to be interesting, especially when viewed through modern eyes. Um, The way Alkinoas treats Odysseus implies marriage, which, okay, I mean, they're both already married, but 
that the seat next to the king's throne, that that seat next to the throne, that should be where the queen sits, right? The king and the queen should sit next to each other. Um, but that's not where Aridi sits. One of the princes, princes sits in the seat next to his father. Um, and then that's where Odysseus is seated. Uh, so it's seated in, in the throne where a queen should be, where a wife of a king should be. Um, and that's where one of his sons was. So it's, it has all these elements that would have made an, someone in ancient Greece think that something's not quite right in Phaeacia. It's, it's not, they're Greek-ish, but they're not, they're still not Greek. Um, so it's, it's a utopia, mostly. But today, these aren't things that we would bat an eye at for the most part. Um, these elements are, are completely utopic, right? Women and men having equal status that it, I mean, then we have again, all of these fruit trees that just bloom and bear fruit year round. And it's, it, it's, it, is an interesting place. So what do you think about Phaeacia? Uh, what do you think about the king and the queen? Come share your thoughts on the blog at triumvirclio.school.blog. The link or URL is in the show notes. Um, on Friday, we will have a very short episode on the Homeric hymn to Heracles the Lionhearted. Talk to you then. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.